Hello everyone, this is Jeanette. And this is Lourdes. Welcome to Wise Women's Pride Podcast. We didn't say who we are. Well, we're going to say it right now, Jeanette. Okay. We are <laughs> two Latina New York City counselors <laughs> who have an absolute interest in human behavior. I would say beyond interest, it's a passion. And we are passionate about women and working with women. Hello, everyone. This is Jeanette, and welcome to Wise Women's Pride. I am here alone today. Fig couldn't make it, um, but I have a fantastic guest that I'm so excited to have on the show today. Um, she is a childhood friend. Um, Sonia Troche is a uh, licensed social worker, and she has worked for 18 years at Concern for Independent Living, and currently, she has made a life transition into a new chapter. Um, Sonia, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing. And I, we got to talk about how that transition happened at some point in our conversation, because that's a huge step that you took. Um, so you're still kind of working as a consultant or maybe part time as a social worker, but you're no longer doing that full time, right? Right. Okay. Correct. So what are you doing now? Tell me what you're doing now. <laughs> Well, now um, I opened up my own business with my daughters um, doing interior designing. Yeah. And that's just a lot of fun. And um, we took off running with it. I left my job in, in July of 2021 and um, decided this is it. This is what I, this is my passion. It was more my passion. Um, I loved what I did for 18 years. The time that I did it, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. I loved helping the population and it was just at that time, that was my passion. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It just, it happened to be that everyone was always telling me, why aren't you doing interior designing? Like, why, why aren't you doing this? Cause I designed yes, my, because as long product. as I've known you, you <laughs> always had that, that thing, the it yes, thing. Yes, yes, interior yes, design. <laughs> yes. Love it. And so I decided Actually, I opened up my business in 2020, but we all know what happened in 2020. So we didn't run the business and I continue work my social work business. And um, then it, um, it just happened to me that 2021, I just felt it in me. Like I said, this is it. This is, this is, I have to leave. And I no longer had the passion that I had and I felt it. So I felt like I was doing everyone a disservice mm -hmm. uh, by continuing in something that I really lost my passion for. Yeah. Um, and instead I took a leap of faith and I did this and we took off running and honestly, I couldn't be happier. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So the, what's the name of the, the, the company, the, the business? Janai's Designs. Janai's Designs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so how do you work? Do you work? uh, on online? Do you work in person with clients? I do work in person. My daughter and I go and we visit our clients, um, and their homes. They tell us what they want and we just go and we do it. You make it happen. Um, what I find is that, um, people actually know what they want. They just don't know how to go about it. They know what they want. They just don't know how to put it together. Yeah. So. That's yeah. awesome. I think you know, that's perfect for you. <laughs> I think so too. I think it's beautiful also that you're working with your daughter. That's, that's amazing. Yes. 
And um, actually both of them, because Jennifer is with me mm-hmm. um, on the design end of it, obviously. But then Sonia has a construction business. So she does the construction part of it. Oh, so wow. I'm actually working with both of them, which is great. So um, I, I invited you to the show because I wanted you to share your story of recovery from being a teenage mom to being in a dysfunctional relationship, abusive. Can I say that? Yes. Yes. Okay. But it was. Um, to who you are today, right? Can you, can you walk us through that? Can you tell us, tell us how you got to where you got to? Oh, so in a nutshell, I mean, I got married at 15, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had my two daughters with my ex-husband and throughout that relationship, it was, you know, we were both very young um, and just young and ignorant. You know, it was um, a relationship that had a lot of beautiful, beautiful parts to it and then had some ugly parts to it. And it just got to the point where I couldn't take the ugly anymore. So I decided to leave when I was 27 and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was about almost 28. And, but during that time, I had already started college. Um, I didn't finish high school. I got my GED, you know, cause the girls, I, I couldn't leave my daughters with anyone. I was very protective with my daughters. Yeah. I just didn't trust anyone with them. So I decided, I made a decision not to go to school. Um, but I did, I always knew that I wanted to go to college. So I got my GED and at the age of 24, I started college, you know, but the relationship with my ex-husband was so bad at times that he kind of made it difficult for me to, to do my schoolwork and do stuff. So I was a lot of times I would not go to school for like a term. I would take a term off and there was, I just couldn't, I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. Um, my home life just didn't allow that. Yeah. Now I know that you, you and your ex-husband since then have reconciled and shared that you, you guys have a really good relationship now. So I know you're, you're being, uh, you're measuring your words, right? Because it's not what it used to be. Right. But can, can you, can you describe with as much as you're comfortable with how bad was it when it was the worst, you know? What was that experience for you? And how old were you when you were experiencing that? Well, you know, he was abusive from the very beginning. Um, I remember going through things when we were in 383. He would do a lot of things to me. Um, like he would, because my hair was really long. And as you can remember, and he used to like grab me by my, you know, the little hairs in the back of my neck and just yank them when he didn't like me saying something or what I was doing. Um, he will yank my earrings off. Um, he, he was, it, so it started even back then. Mm. Um, then and we didn't know we were, we were clueless. Knew. You kept this yeah. to yourself. Yes. I always kept everything to myself throughout my entire marriage. I kept everything to myself. Um, I never said anything to anyone about anything that was happening in my house. Not my parents, no one, not you, Janet, no yeah. one, none of my friends. Um, you had a good poker face Sonia. Yeah. At the end of the day too, it wasn't ugly like that all the time. Right. It was like, 
he had his moments where he would, you know, become enraged because he was very jealous. He was a very, very jealous man. Um, and that's what would drive him to be that way with me um, was his jealousy. If my pants were too tight, he would literally, he took, when I was 17, I had Sony already, um, my second one. And I remember these pants that he hated. Um, they were striped pants. They were yellow, black, and white striped pants. And he told me I better never wear those pants to go out. Mm -hmm. So I did. And he, he threw out the first pair. Right. So I went out and I got myself the second pair. I said, no, I like these pants. I like the way they fit me. I like, you know, the way I look, I wore them one day. I went to my mom's house. He was working and he got home earlier to catch me. Crazy. So I didn't know. So I was trying to get home before he got home. Um, and I thought I made it on time. He was sitting in the living room waiting for me. And when he saw me with the pants on, he went crazy. He literally, with me wearing them, took a, a scissor to them and just like, and he said, you better never buy these again. And he was so angry. Um, but again, then there was a lot of nice stuff, right? So, you know, he would always like a typical abuser would then buy me things and tell me how much he loved me. And, you know, he would never do that again. If he hit me, he was never going to do that again. Oh, I got him so angry. Why do I have to do those things? Why did I have to wear those pants? Why, why did I do these things to right. him? Why did I get him so angry? It was always your fault. Always my fault. Yeah. Um, and then there was a time when in my twenties, when basically, um, there were a few times, obviously there were so many times there was this one time that he got home. He, he was, he started drinking a lot also. Um, and he got home the girls, this was really towards the end. This is when I basically left him. Um, he got home and he just started like hitting me because he was drunk. Um, and basically he would do this when the girls were sleeping. This time it got so bad that he didn't care anymore. So that's how I was able to hide it. And there was always an excuse as to why I had the bruises, you know, for everyone. Um, I always had an excuse for everything. Um, but I was able to hide it more from the girls because he never did it in front of the girls. We just never happened in front of the girls. But um, the girls you know, have told me that they weren't stupid and they, they heard things and, and saw things, but they kept it to themselves. But this time we, I had to lock myself up in the room with the girls. It was horrible. We were just crying and um, we locked ourselves and he was banging on the door and he was just going crazy. And at that point I knew that I had to leave because I looked at my daughters and I just felt so horrible for them. And I said, there is no way that I am going to allow my daughters to see this and to think that this is okay. Or this is what a relationship or marriage looks like. Or this is the way a man is supposed to treat you like. So that's when I, I decided to So leave. that was the turning point for you? That was the turning when, point. When the girls became aware. It was just such a horrible moment mm -hmm. in my life when I look at my little girls and there they were crying. You know, I mean, we were just... and. 
the fear that we had that I really thought he was going to kill me. So I just, I couldn't see my daughters going through that. When I looked at their little faces, I was so broken up inside. Yeah. And I said, this can't continue. This has to end. It didn't end there though. It, things got even worse yeah. when I, when I chose to leave him, things got really bad when I chose to leave him. Um, he even got so bad that I had my own apartment already. I had, you know, and it was, it was a tough decision to make too, Jeanette. It was just so tough because as you know, we had a beautiful home that we had built and it was just so hard to leave that. Um, but I had to take, you know, pick up my daughters and just leave and get yeah. an apartment. So I, when I got an apartment, um, one day he came in the middle of the night. It was, well, it was like four o'clock in the morning. And we had a, um, a little porch in the back, a little deck. He actually climbed up that deck. There were no stairs. So he climbed. I don't know how he did it. He climbed up and he broke in through the glass doors because, because in the apartment complex that I lived, you couldn't get into my, into the apartments without being let in. Now it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm sleeping. The girls are sleeping. We're just sleeping. He breaks into the apartment. He goes into my bedroom. And he starts hitting on me. So I woke up to this man just hitting me. And I'm like, what? In, and, you know, I woke up in a stupor. So I ran. I ran into the living room. I ran into the kitchen. I'm trying to call my downstairs um, neighbor um, to call the cops. Because when I tried to call the cops, he ripped the phone off the, um, off the wall. So I couldn't call the cops. So I was trying to beat my, my neighbor downstairs because um, we had the intercom system. And it was, it was, it just, it was so bad. He beat me up so bad that day. Um, there was blood, blood everywhere. Um, you know, he just, he, it was so bad. Jennifer woke up um, and was, and screamed to him, daddy, what are you doing? What are you doing? And his face changed. It was so weird. Like he, he turned to her and he goes, I didn't do anything. Like, and I'm there bleeding. And he said, she's like, but mom is bleeding. What are you doing? Yeah. I told Jennifer, Jennifer, go back into the room. Please go back into the room. At that point, my neighbor was able to call. She, she heard everything. I was able to intercom her. Intercom her, her. I ran to the living room. I, when, so she called the cops. When, she, when he heard that she was calling the cops, he jumped out and he left. He jumped off the, the balcony and he left. That was, I got an order of protection. It was, yeah, it was really bad. My face was a mess. My, the inside of my mouth, my legs. Um, I couldn't walk for a while because he, he beat me so bad that I couldn't walk for a while. That was it really. I mean, that was the last time. Yeah. That, that, that's so, that's so frightening just to hear you talk of it. Um, Sonia, where did you get the courage to finally make that decision? Again, I got it from looking at my daughters. I looked at my daughters and I just knew I couldn't allow this any longer. I just, my love for my daughters was more than my love for him. And my love for my daughters gave me that strength um, <clears throat> that I didn't fear anything. I, I said, as long, and this was my thing. I always said, as long as I'm with my girls, 
nothing else matters. Nothing. Because everything else I'll get. I'll get two, three jobs, which I did. I'll do whatever it takes. But as long as I'm with my daughters, I used to always say, even if I live in a little garage with them, I'm fine. As long as we're not separated. And honestly, it was just them. Always them. It's always been my kids that have given me that strength. Yeah. So, um, so we move forward, right? You wind up, now you're a single mom. Um, you, you were on and off taking college credits throughout all of this, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when did you finally get your bachelor's? Was it after this? Was it before? It was way after. after. Um, I was already in my late twenties and then I continued school and, you know, and, um, I was finished with everything by the time I was 30. And then went to work for concern when I was 34, because I was still working at um, at sales, a diamond store <laughs> at the time. And I liked it. I, I liked working there. I loved, I loved working retail um, and I didn't want to leave it. But then I was like, you know what? I have to start exercising my career. Like I have to go into it. And that's when I, I, I made the, the move to work for concern and so you worked for, um, can you tell us what Concern is about? Concern um, is a housing agency. So we actually help people with, well, when I started there, it was just housing people with men- mental illness, mm-hmm. homeless people, people with addiction um, issues, serious trauma, but they have to, they, the people that we accept have to be severely, they're called spemies, severely and persistent mentally ill. Mm-hmm. So it's not just someone saying, you know, I'm mentally ill. No, I mean, it, was, it's, it has to be a serious diagnosis. Um, so when you started and, there, you started kind of entry level? Yes, yes. So what were you doing initially? Just um, case management, basically. Okay. So during that time, as a single mom, right, you, you, you put yourself through school, mm-hmm. you get your bachelor's, and then you go on and you decide what, what made you continue? What made me continue? I just knew that I needed that. Like, basically. Okay. how did you, who, who helped you? Did you have support? Did you have uh, any kind of extended resources? Like, you know, did, was this just you solo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh mean, God. How, that's a lot to be a single mom and put yourself through school. Like who's taking care of the girls? How did you, how did you juggle all of that? Well, the girls were already older. Okay. Um, remember, you know, they were already older. Um, when I left my ex-husband, Sonia was nine, Jennifer was 11. So <clears throat> now they were in, in high school at this point, you know, between junior high school and high school. So I didn't need anyone to really take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom would, my mom would watch them here and there would come over and make sure that things were good. Um, I also made sure that when I went to school, my daughters were in school. So I did everything around my daughters. So there wasn't, I mean, they needed to be looked after for me to go to work because I had two and three jobs and I was going to school at the same time. (laughs) And I was being a single mom and, you know, and cooking and cleaning and just yeah. everything that comes along with it. Um, my daughters, you know, tell me stories like, Oh, remember when we used to just see you fall asleep? Like they would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and they would see me like slumped over the computer 
and they would just cover me with a blanket, you know? Um, yeah, like mom is like, but I mean, I did it all while the girls were basically in school. The work, of course, they were home. So when I was working, I had my, a really good friend of mine, Sherry, that happened to live in the same complex. And we were friends for many, many years before that as well. So it just, it was, it just happened to me that she lived there. So she would come and look after them as well. And then he would also have, my ex-husband would have them every other week, like every other weekend. So from Friday to Sunday, he would have them twice a month. So during that time, I was able to work more, more hours, do more stuff without it interfering with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a lot for a person to do, right? And so I'm imagining... If there's any women listening who, let's say, are in this situation or are getting out of a situation, you know, it's almost sounds, you sound like a superhero right now. I want to make it relatable, right? In terms of those sacrifices that you made. How was that? How were you able to accomplish this, Sonia? Because what you accomplished was major. Um, it's not easy to do. What do you think helped you accomplish that going to work, going to school, being a single mom, what got you through that? What got me through it? I'm going to say this probably a thousand times, my daughters. Okay. What got me through everything has always been my daughters. Yeah. My love for them, me wanting to show them that no matter where you came from, no matter what has happened in your life, you can achieve anything. You have to put the work in. Yeah. But I wanted them to see that I wasn't just a 15 year old high school dropout, right? Like a 15 year old mom and like a teenage, you know, a teenage mom that just allowed the fact that she got married young and had kids young um, and was in this relationship. She didn't allow that to define her. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to think that they couldn't do anything. I just wanted to be that role model for my kids, yes. my daughter. I needed to be that role model for them mm-hmm. so that they can accomplish things in life. Yeah. It was always them. Mm-hmm. I, I can mm-hmm. only, only attribute it to them. I, I There is really nothing else. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> do they know this? <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. They do. They definitely do. What I want to know now, okay, um, how how was your healing process through it? Like, how did you, what was that like? Because that takes a little longer, right? Sometimes we busy ourselves so we don't deal with our pain, right? Our hurt. Mm -hmm. So there sounds like a lot of busyness was happening with you. So when did you, when, when did your actual healing process start? What was that process like? Well, it actually happened. It started when, because you're right. I just didn't take time to heal. I was just so busy and I made myself very busy. Um, I didn't want to think about the hurt. I didn't want to think about the things I have been through. I didn't want to think about losing my house and losing my marriage and I didn't want to think about any of that stuff ever. You want to so grieve. I, it sounds like you weren't allowing yourself to grieve. Nope, you nope. weren't grieving it. No. Nope. Okay. And my, my, my best friend, Rosie, um, helped me a lot 
through a lot of things always um, emotionally, although she lived in Florida and everything. Um, she moved to Florida. Um, she went through a lot of stuff with me because she happened to live in my house um, in the, the first floor apartment um, when I was with my ex-husband. And so she went through a lot. She, she saw a lot. She heard mm -hmm. a lot. It was just, and thank goodness that she was so non-judgmental and she just really embraced me so much and just helped me so much. Um, then, um, I, so I, I continued to stay busy. I didn't want to grieve. I didn't want to think about anything. I met my, my current husband back then. He helped me a lot, um, through the grieving. I think he was the one, to be honest with you, that helped me the most because, um, I was so angry and he saw past that. And he wanted to help me. And he told me, oh, my God, you have so many walls, Sonia, so many walls. I wouldn't let him in. Um, I didn't trust him. I didn't trust anyone. I said, you're just another guy. You know, um, you're going to hurt me the same way. So he really, he was there every step of the way with me. And he helped me heal because he started telling me things about me that between him and Rosie, he actually told me a lot of beautiful things about myself that I did not know about myself, didn't believe about myself. Rosie too, constantly telling me how wonderful I am. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm like this whatever um, person. Um, I'm not, I'm not that good person. You know, when you get beat down so much physically and mentally and everything for so many years, you really don't believe in yourself that way. Um, so he helped me a lot through my healing. He so helped me so much. Um, I needed to hear the things that he was telling me. And with the conviction that he was telling me these things, like, no, you are. These, this is the woman that you are. You're wonderful. You're this, you're that. You're a fighter. Um, you're, you're strong. You're, you're intelligent. You know, you love, you're a, a wonderful mom. I've never met anyone like you. So all those things really started helping me. And then when I started working for Concern, helping others, listening to their stories, at that point, I had to listen to my own. And I had to share. Wow. I never shared too much, but I did. I would tell them, I understand you. I was kind of there, I would tell them. And I started listening to my story through them. And it was incredible. I had to like really sit down with myself and say, wow, you really did go through this. And Rosie really made me um, sit down with myself too. She made sure that I heard my story. She would tell me things that I, it's funny, my brain got to the point where I forgot. I literally, the way for me to cope was to forget about my past. So when I tell you, Jeanette, that I don't remember a lot of things, I really don't. It's to this day, I really don't. But that's um, also a sign of trauma too, mm -hmm. right? That's the way of protecting yourself. Yes. Um, so it's pretty incredible. Even Jose tells me stories about things that happened to them. Like my mind just has chosen to forget. Yeah. So I forgot a lot of stuff, yeah. but um, I knew that I had to heal from that. Um, and I would listen to my story over and over again. Um, then I started reading things like from the Bible and I kind of like went that way as well. I started going to church and just trying to heal, mm -hmm. um, in so many ways. And then I allow myself to cry cause I wouldn't allow myself to cry. 
um, it's still hard for me to cry. It's not, I'm not a crier. <laughs> so, um, but I allow myself to cry and cleanse myself. Um, cause that's definitely uh, a cleansing moment when you yes. cry, allow yourself to yes. cry. And I really believe that it took that in this book, the prayer of Jabez. I don't know if you've ever heard of it Mm-mm. by Bruce Wilkinson. My mom had told me to read it. It's a very small book. It's just nothing to it. But I don't know why that prayer, that the words resonated so much with me. And somehow I started letting everything go. Yeah. The anger, all that stuff that I had inside me, I just started letting it go. And it just started like, just kind of like going. It, It felt so freeing when I said, I have to forgive him. I have to forgive myself. And I have to forgive him. I have to forgive my past. I have to let this go. Yeah. And the day that I let it go was amazing. I felt so much lighter that angry Sonia no longer existed. Wow. And I also knew that I couldn't be angry like that. I'm a social worker. I have to be there for my clients. I have to talk to them and be an example for them. Now I'm trying to teach them coping skills. How am I doing that if I don't have any myself, right? I didn't want to be a hypocrite, you know, with my clients. So I knew that I had to do something about it. And I did. And quite frankly, I can't remember the day, the time or anything that this happened, but it happened. And it was, I, I was, by this time, I was about 36 or so Yeah. by the time that, um, I felt that I could let every that I let everything go. Mm-hmm. And I became very forgiving. And I forgave my ex and moved on. And it, it, it honestly, it's, it, it feels great to feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness is powerful. Oh, my goodness. Forgiveness is healing for you. Yes. Right? Yes. When you forgive someone, it really isn't about them. It's about you releasing that. And yes. in yourself and be it you, you when you hold so much anger like that it holds you prisoner you absolutely know? absolutely and you know um so much so Jeanette that by the time I was 34 I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um I couldn't walk I was paralyzed one day I just woke up paralyzed um and Jose had to just rush me to the hospital um because I was I was so stressed out all the time and holding on to so much anger and holding on to so much ugliness that it comes out. It comes out in one form or another. And for me, it was multiple sclerosis. Mm. So all that internalizing and not cleansing, Mm -hmm. not crying, Mm -hmm. internalized in your body. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it came out in the form of that, you know, and it took me down for a while as well. So that wasn't easy either. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not to say, and I want to be clear with the listeners, that's not to say that everyone who gets MS is internalizing all these feelings, right? But there is something to be said about um, not being able to release these emotions and it does impact our physical well-being. Yes. And well, the stress, right? So I was under so much stress for so many years. I was, because I wasn't, sharing anything either I wasn't sharing my pain I wasn't sharing the things that were happening in my house yeah all that causes a lot of stress and stress is a 
big, big thing with MS. Sonia, let me ask you, what was it that prevented you from sharing your experience, your pain, your sorrow? What was stopping you? What was it that you felt, I can't share this with anyone? I wanted to protect him all the time. I didn't want anybody to look at him like a bad person because I also knew that he was a good person. Mm. I just couldn't stand the thought of anybody thinking poorly of him. Yeah. And that's also, Sonia, that's the reason why a lot of women stay in these relationships because they see that goodness in them, right? And, and, and it keeps them in that situation where they're being, they continue to be abused. Mm-hmm. I also, and I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, it was that, and it was, I never wanted anyone to feel sorry for me or see me as a victim. Cause I never saw myself as a victim. I have a lot of pride and that pride led me to also be quiet. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm like, I'm not a victim. I am, you know, I always thought of myself as a badass. Always, 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 no matter what I was going through, I would say, no, I'm a badass. You know, like that's one thing I did have about myself. And I said, no, (laughs) I'm not going to let anybody, God forbid, if anybody sees me in that light or thinks that I'm a victim, what's that? Like, I'm not a victim. Yeah. But I'm hearing from your story that ultimately you were able to heal because you had reached out to your friend who was maybe you didn't initially reach out to her, but because she knew who you were, she knew your story. She reached out to you and eventually you allowed her to, to be that for you, that support. And then uh, soon after your current husband and, and they provided support and encouragement and affirmations to you to remind you of your greatness. Right. But that's so hard. Yeah. When our pride becomes greater than, our humility. We can't ask for help. That's right. God <laughs> forbid. I've never asked for help. That's yeah. That's I have a big problem with that. Like yeah. I'm working on that. I just cannot ask for help. It's really, really hard for me. Yeah. And what's interesting yeah. is when we ask for help for those who are closest to us, right? We also affirm and validate them. Mm-hmm. So when we are always trying to do it ourselves, um, we don't allow them to be that person for us. Exactly. You know, you know, in doing that, we, we are doing a good thing. You know, we're, we're saying to these people, you do matter to me and I need yes. you right now. Yes. 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 And, yes. and one of the things for me was important for me to know and master, <laughs> master the art of asking for help was because I I wanted my daughter to be able to do that with me. And if I never knew how to do that, learned how to do that, how could I expect her? You know, the idea that she would go through something and not share it with me Mm -hmm. would break my heart, you know, that she would suffer in silence. Um, So I realized that I had to do that. I had to learn how to do that. And so- it sounds like you finally learned how to do that so much so that you're able to share your story now. Yes, yes. And I think what you said earlier about you hadn't heard your story, but you were hearing it through someone else, but you hadn't told your own story. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. And you have shared with me that you, that you love journaling. 
-hmm. When did journaling become a part of your process? When I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s. Were you writing your story, but you just wasn't speaking it? Was that what it is? Okay. I was writing a lot of the stuff that was happening in my life. I was writing it down. And when I went to college, um, my first semester, I had this amazing professor, Professor Corrado. May he rest in peace because unfortunately he passed. Um, And he was my college comp one teacher, right? And he said, okay, I want everyone to journal, right? I had already been doing this, but he said every single day, I want you to write in your journal. And once a week, I will collect the journals and give them back to you just to make sure that you guys are actually journaling. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to read anything that you guys write. I'm just, I just want to turn the pages, making sure that you guys are actually writing because you guys have to get used to writing. Well, I don't know why he took an interest (laughs) in my journal. I was like, what are you doing? Um, and he told me, wow, Sonia, you have such a story to tell. I want you to write a book. I'm like, mm, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you do. I'm like, but why are you reading my stories? Why are you reading my, like my journal? He's like, because you actually have so much to say. Like yeah. your story is amazing. It really is. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, and you're going through a lot and he would, you know, he would see. And I knew that there was power in that because definitely I would write everything that I was feeling, what I was going through. And it, it, it did feel good. I guess I felt I didn't have to say it because I, to anyone, mm-hmm. I was writing. So you were processing some of it, yeah. but there is something to be said about when you actually vocalize what you're experiencing, yes. what you're feeling. Um, that can be very cathartic and, uh, eye-opening. I couldn't hear my, I think, I don't know. What do you think? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Because I couldn't hear me say what happened to me. I couldn't hear it. Like to speak, it was different to say it because then I had to hear it. Yeah. And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear my story. Was it that you were afraid to acknowledge your vulnerability? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And where are you at with now with your vulnerability? Where are you? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm still working. I'm still working on it. Um, yeah. I still don't. If you spoke to my husband, he'll tell you, oh, no, she doesn't allow herself to be vulnerable. <laughs> um, it, that's hard for me. That's still very, very hard. I still definitely could see the walls. He says that he's only knocked down a part of my wall. Yes. It's so funny. He's like, I'm still knocking. He's, like, he's I'm taking down the paint. He's like, <laughs> he's like with a little chisel, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what he's doing. Um, he still feels that I still have a lot of walls. Um, again, I just don't want to leave myself open. Yeah. To being hurt or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. So it's hard it's for me process, to be right. It's a, it sounds to me like it's still, it's still very much an ongoing process for you. Right? Yes. Yes. Well, healing is definitely an ongoing process, Um, but I heal more and more every day um, when I journal, when I speak to my daughters. So also then my daughters got older, right? And voila, that's perfect for me because for all of us, we're able to talk about our stories. Like they share with me what they experienced in their childhood with my ex and myself. 
that's healing as well, because I can listen. It's hard to listen to my daughters tell the story as well. Very, very hard because I feel so guilty for allowing that to happen um, to them. They're going through their own healing with this. They were very angry at their father for many, many years. Yeah. They still are. They, they do have a relationship with him and he is a great dad. Um, but my daughters are still healing. Yeah, My oldest one definitely has a lot of anger, a lot of anger towards him. So, yeah, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. But I think what's beautiful about it is that you, you're, you're modeling still in your forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that it is possible. Yes. To heal, you know, and to, to the message of healing is an ongoing process, right? It's layers yes. that you're constantly pulling back. So I think that's amazing, Sonia. Your story is amazing. There's still so much to talk about. I wanted to ask you, um, there's, so I had a list of questions and as you were talking, you were answering all of them. You're so good. <laughs> um, so I explained to you that we are in the crone season, right? My final question to you, because I've, I've gone over the archetypes with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of know the answers So I ask every woman on the show. We ask them, um, which archetype do they uh, feel they embody the most? Which two, you know, do they feel like they embody the most? Um, which two shows up the most in their life? What would you say? I would say the mother and um, warrior. Yeah. I think those two are the ones that really come out in me. Yeah, they show up. Because I always, I always see myself as a mother. Like I'm a mother to every all my children, my daughters, um, friends, and everything. They all call me mom. I I feel that that's what I'm, what I embody the most is yeah. the most, the most mother. Yeah. And then the warrior. Do you think the warrior shows up out of necessity, or that's just part of your makeup too? That's part of my makeup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and who would you like to, um, embrace more of the maiden or the crone? The maiden is what? What's so the maiden, uh, so she, she tends to be seen as typically, right? Stereotypically the virgin, the inexperienced, but I feel like there's more to her than just that, right? So the maiden is also about embracing life, saying yes to things, being an adventurous, allowing herself to be a learner, um, looking for connections with others, building bridges between people. Um, and she's just about love and connection and newness, you know, and allowing herself to be vulnerable, being okay with, with not knowing, being okay with being vulnerable. Okay, so then I would definitely have to say the maiden. I would love <laughs> to be able to embrace that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot that. of times warriors want to be able to embrace the maiden a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. any final thoughts uh, or questions about our conversation today? No. This has been a great interview. I hope that someone can get, if it's one person that it reaches, it's yeah. good enough where 
they can find the strength within if they're in the situation that they can find the strength within to Mm -hmm. get out, um, speak about it, tell someone, pick one person, even if it's one person to talk to, let them know what you're going through. So important, so important to do that. And never feel like it's your fault because it's not. And know that you have so much power. This actually gives you a lot of power, believe it or not, going through abuse, whether it's mental, physical, psychological, doesn't matter. Um, it, it actually brings a lot of power. And so I want people, I want women and men to embrace that power within themselves yeah. and know that they can leave, know that they can make it and that they will make it. They don't need to be there anymore. Yeah. They can go. Um, I think what, what you said, um, the idea of, of sharing, sharing with someone because there's so much shame, right. Um, in telling someone what you're experiencing when you're in this situation, when you're in in an abusive relationship, there's so much shame that you have and guilt, um, that you don't share and you wind up isolating yourself. And that's, that's a, that's a, a mechanism, a tool that the abuser uses, continue to use the fact that you become more and more isolated. So yeah. I think that's um, really important. And in your story, you speak to that, you know, sharing that. I'm so, I'm so proud of you, Sonia. You're like a superhero, Thank you. Thank but I don't want to, I want to re- make it relevant because it's, it's, you're a superhero because you did amazing things, but what you have overcome women can do it, you know, or, or men, whoever, you know, if you're in a real, uh, an abusive relationship, yes. it is possible. There's light at the end. There is. That's, that's my, that's my thing is like, people just need to understand that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. Um, it doesn't rain forever. Um, a lot of people get stuck in that, you know, um, don't feel sorry for yourself. This is, it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and don't hold on to anger. Just don't hold on to anger. Yeah. I don't believe in that. So you didn't, you did not identify as a victim. What do you identify as? A warrior. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Keep pushing forward. Yes. Um, Okay, I think we can end here. This was a fantastic interview. Um, Sonia, I definitely want to have you back to talk about other things. Like we'll talk, we're going to be going into the mating season, the mating season in March. So we're going to have you back for that. And we're going to talk about our vulnerabilities <laughs> or lack thereof in terms yes. of technology. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, and uh, I definitely want to have another conversation with you about the work that you did um, with your clients, with recovery, um, and um, mental health because it's such a such an important issue right now. Yes. Um, so I'm going to tap into your wisdom next time. So I'm going to invite you back. Hopefully, Lawrence will be able to join us, and we'll we'll keep exploring these topics together. Okay, Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you got some information from Sonia's story and some support and maybe some encouragement. See you soon.